Hey, this is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. This is Q&A number 77 for my virtual coaching group in Facebook. And I want to go ahead and welcome some new members, Megan, Chloe, Caitlin B and Caitlin C out of Florida. Welcome to the Team TLC group. And I sent everybody the information on how to use the group and the members only website and all of that. So I hope you enjoy it. Look forward to seeing your videos of training and competition and getting to know you and your horse um, and helping you meet your goals and dreams. Um, I had a clinic on Sunday. Okay, the coldest day of the year for, for Florida. It was 20, like 20 degrees outside. So definitely a frost. Um, when I got there, the arena was uh, leaking their, their faucets and there was icicles literally coming out of them. So um, oh, we had 12 riders and one did chicken out, said it was too cold. Definitely Floridian, I suppose. And um, But we did have a really great day, 11 riders, and um, it started off cold. But literally, we all dressed in layers, and it was doable because there was some sun in part of the arena. So while they were waiting their turn, they sat over there. And literally, by 10 o'clock, we were peeling layers. By lunchtime, everybody even took off their jackets. So it got into the high 50s with sun, and it was just a beautiful day. All the riders did great. It was a, it was a really great clinic. I saw some really nice improvements. And of course, everybody went home with homework. But that's okay. You know, there was a couple a little frustrated, and that's all right, too, because you know, now you know what you got to work on and, and it will get better. So this week in the group, um, I did a couple of challenges for y'all. The um, skill challenge is going to be leg laterals. So um, leg laterals are really important. You can do them with pole bending where you get face flexing laterally and then moving away from your leg laterally. Um, so that's like two tracking. You can even do it in circles like spirals and have your horse's circle get bigger, moving away from your inside leg by the front cinch. So again, leg lateral should be done with the front cinch. The goal is to get the nose going one direction and the shoulder going the other so that the front and back feet are on separate tracks. That's why some call it two tracking. But leg laterals are great for setting a horse up for lead departures. They're great for getting a horse soft and supple and light. No one's ever going to complain my horse is too responsive, too light. They are going to complain my horse is stiff and pushy. It also helps with setting them up for a perfect turn. Everybody wants a turn where the nose is light, the shoulders up, the ribs are out, the hip is in, the pivot foot's under, maintaining four-wheel drive as they execute straight lines and perfect circles around those barrels. So um, those are important things. The videos in this group I will be doing today, I did something on groundwork and how I think it's important once a week to do a variety of groundwork with your horses. That can be ground poles, it can be desensitizing them, it can be uh, lunging for respect, left, right, forward, backwards, it can be teaching them head down cues to yield their front end, back end, roll back, side passing. There's so much you can teach them from the ground. You can even desensitize them to tools that you might be using on your horse or might see at a rodeo like uh, slickers and ropes and flags and banners and all of those kind of things. So once a week, it's a great way to communicate with your horse, to trust you and to spook in place and know that everything's okay. Um, so anyways, uh, the uh, groundwork drill this week um, is going to be on some of the uh, face flexing and transitions for the, um, I'm sorry, in the saddle drill Wednesday. And then I haven't decided Thursday or Friday yet for the barrels, um, barrel tune-up or the uh, mental game, but I'll get there. So uh, also the uh, 
January personal best winner will be polled tomorrow. So if you haven't got on my list yet and you had a, a win, any personal best for the month of January is a victory. And I, I don't want you ever feeling like you're competing against anyone else. So someone might have won the 1D. Another person might have got their colt to pick up the correct lead from a walk transition versus a trot transition. So whatever your win is for that week, uh, let me know. We'll add you to the list. I'm going to draw a name. The prizes are nothing huge. It's one month free in the group or a TLC saddle cross or keychain or hat or books. Um, but it's not the prize as much as it is the, the idea that we are celebrating with you and we're keeping everyone motivated to keep trying and um, having those small wins each week lead to big wins, which eventually lead to goals met for the, the week, the month, the year, and then dreams met that you have for yourself and dreams coming true. So this week's topic is going to be how um, when I'm teaching the barrel pattern, when I add the speed and how I like to do things when I start hauling for exhibitions and all of that. Um, and really that it really takes two years minimum that you've got to give yourself and your horse. You know, Maybe some of you old pros at it that have been doing a long time know in six months or not if this horse is going to be what you want and have that 1D potential. But most people that are starting out are going to need to give a horse at least two years, one year for the basics and um, and hauling and another year for seasoning. And um, and that's really what it takes. And that that's if you ride four times a week and you're hauling to two or three things a month. And if you're not doing that, it's going to take even longer. And we all know life can get in the way. So uh, I did have some shout outs and some videos that I did. Obviously, I did 11 videos for the group, um, slow motion critiques from the video from the clinics. I mean, not the group, but the clinic. And then I'm working on um, the group's videos. I still have a few more to do from the weekend that were sent to me. I did get a few done. And um, again, Thank you, everybody, for your patience. After a clinic, it takes me an extra day to get videos returned to you for the slow motion critiques. Um, I only have four questions so far for this week. So the first question was alley solutions. They've got a horse that started having some alley issues. They pretty much ruled out all the possible things it can be. And, you know, I talk about that all the time, five or six things that it could cause alley issues. And it could be the pain. Pain can stem from bleeding lungs, ulcers in the gut, um, pain in the hooves, the joints, the backs, um, you know, anything like that. Uh, so we have to rule out one pain. We have to rule out number two nerves and it, that could be rider nerves. If you're getting uptight, uh, horses nerves and that can cause it as well. Third, it can be pressure overexposing them, going too fast, too soon, or going too often. Fourth, it could be respect. Um, sometimes respect can be an issue. So there are so many things that can actually cause a horse to want to get a little bit hot in the alleyway. Um, and the fifth thing is training. So if you have developed a hot spot on your horse, like going zero to 60 all the time, instead of doing your gate work and doing things like that. So let's talk about those solutions. Um, one thing I worked on with a, a person in the clinic was about riding one hand, leaving the herd to go to the uh, alleyway or to go to the launch pad area to take off to do the barrel pattern. Riding one hand and rubbing their butt with the other hand as you exhale, keep your legs off and just easy talk to them. Um, well, 
make a big difference in a barrel horse because two hands means time to run. One hand means we're going on a trail ride. So the more you stay one-handed, that helps. And don't pull back that, you know, try to put your hand down on their withers, on their mane. You know, you may have to pick it up and say, slow down and then put it back down again and just do that give and take thing. But don't pull back and hold a tight pressure on the rein. Um, the other thing is, is um, when you do go and gate your horse, um, walk in the gate and if they're dragging the arena or whatever, um, just do a small figure eight. And I'll oftentimes do it the opposite of the way that I would do the barrel pattern. So if I had a right barrel first, I'd walk in and do a tiny figure eight left and then right. Um, I'd go to the left figure eight, right figure eight, and I'd do this one-handed. <clears throat> you can switch your hands, of course, so the horse doesn't freak out every time they feel you're switching hands on the reins. But just walk some figure eights, very small, until they're done, almost done dragging, and then get out of the way. But um, the other thing is haul. Haul to a practice night and just gate your horse and maybe exhibition or you know, at a walk or a jog and go home. And let your horse say that not every time they go through a gate, it's going to be to run. And then maybe haul to a jackpot and do the same thing. If you've got a big rodeo or super show coming up, take the week before and just haul to a little jackpot and gate your horse and maybe walk an exhibition and go home. Don't run. All those things are going to be really important to your horse because then they're not going to know um, if you're going to run or not. And the other thing is, if you are entering, you can gate before and gate after, because then it'll also keep your horse guessing. And, and again, it's very important. The rider is relaxed too. If you're relaxed at home, if you're relaxed in exhibitions, but then you're a bundle of nerves when you go to run, the horse is going to sense that. And they're obviously going to feed off of that. So you have to run your real run, like it is a practice and an exhibition. Um, so I hope that answers that question. And the next question is, how do I soften a stiff horse? My horse is extremely stiff and rollback style. So when you have a horse like that, circles is your friend. During the week, you want to do flex and flex and fluidity work. And quick bumps are really important. What I mean by quick bumps is having weight in the outside stirrup and having your hand a little bit forward, but doing quick little hand bumps and legs together. Your inside leg and your inside hand, as you have weight in your outside hip and stirrup, and you're looking between your horse's ears at your quarter turns, maybe even your horse's outside ear. So you're really looking at the outside tracks of your circle and um, looking a quarter turn ahead at all times. And you do quick bumps with your hand and leg. The quicker and softer your bumps are, the more your horse is going to soften. The more you pull or hold, the stiffer they're going to brace against you. And there may be a time where they really do kind of push on you. Then you may need to put a little spur into them, a little bit more inside leg. Try not to do more inside rein because they just push on the hand. If you pull on them, they're just going to pull back. So use your leg to back it up. Always back a hand cue up with a leg. So think of whisper hand talk legs. Um, the next question was about a hyper horse. Um, what can I do to keep my horse calm? Well, on the ground first, I would teach one rein stops for face flexing, a, that is a automatically a calm down cue because once you get that head and that neck muscle to soften and come around their uh, face to the stirrup or, or your foot in the saddle, um, they're automatically going to start releasing calming endorphins when the head is beneath the withers. Any horse that's got two ears forward and their head above their withers is going to be on the muscle. Any horse that you can get an ear on you and get that head beneath the wither is going to be more relaxed and focused. So one rein stops. So every time you get in that saddle, face flex your horse three times, left and right, as at a standstill. 
And then once you get that down solid, walk tiny circles, face flexing laterally, like a five to 10 foot circle. You can also do a disengagement of the hindquarters. Um, so teach that from the ground with your hand in the back cinch and uh, touch and release for each step they take with the hind foot uh, going around as they have their face to your um, stirrup and do one circle. Horses don't like circles. So let's say they're being naughty or hyper and all of a sudden you just need to get them to pay attention. So then what you would do is that one rein stop, disengage the hindquarters, but again, don't pull because you can throw them off balance or brace enough to get them to rear. We don't want that. Um, so use give and take with your hand and leg and then do two or three circles and then go right back to business. Um, and that should help you. The other thing is, you know, having that 100% calming cue is so important and face flexing is a great place to start with that. But another thing is walking small circles within a big circle. So if you think of like a round pin size circle, and then you think about walking several small circles within that big circle, like five foot circles within a hundred foot circle, you can get six to eight circles that way. And your horse will be so focused on cues they won't have time to get as nervous and just make sure you are giving and taking and doing it one handed preferably um, is helpful as well. Um, the other thing is with a hyper horse, a lot of loose rein, whoa, backing, you can back circles, straight lines, you can do rollbacks, side passes, anything that keeps them from going forward and gets them working more on moving body parts and connecting the feet and the brain to the cues that you're giving them. Um, you can even do rectangles and squares where you might do a half halt in each corner and then do a quarter turn. Um, based off of your leg and a little, you know, little rain, but a lot of leg and seat. Um, you know, those are like the beginning of rollbacks in a circle or a square. So those are things too, or even just transitions, more collected and um, extended walks and things like that. Work on riding them two hands up into the bridle vertically, breaking in the pole and then loose rein. And anytime they speed up, put them back in the bridle and then loose rein again. And they'll start to learn that they like the loose rein over being put up into the bridle. So that's also something you could do. The next question was, how do I get my horse leg back off or leg back up? Sorry after time off. So if a horse is off for injury, definitely follow your vet's instructions on how to bring them back. But if you had a horse that was just off due to time, you know, the, the weather or your job or whatever, uh, for every 30 days your horse has been off, give them at least 30 days matching that to get leg back up. And that should be a minimum of 90 days before you lope barrels or compete for sure. So, um, when I start, I would probably do every other day for about 30 minutes because like us, if you work out and you're not used to working out, you're going to be super sore, you know, soft tissue, muscle sore the next day and you have to build that up. So by doing every other day, you give a little rest and recovery. I would certainly start with walking for 10 minutes. Um, and if you do every other day, that should put you in the saddle about four days a week. Um, you know, that would probably be a good, good place to start. Um, minimum three, maximum five, maybe. And I would start walking for a minimum of 10 minutes and even loose rein walking at first for five minutes and then five minutes of face flexing left, right, down, and do some leg laterals in there and some two tracking. Then I might do some post-trot sit-jog transitions for five or 10 minutes, both directions. Maybe just big rectangles, not necessarily circles, but straight line transitions from a post-trot to a sit-jog. And again, this can be done in a pasture or arena, wherever the ground is safe for you. <clears throat> you can also 
when you're ready, lope big circles, not small yet, and maybe just five minutes, you know, maybe two or three circles each direction, not over three, um, and get them kind of conditioned, get their lungs built back up as well. And then after 30 days of that, the next 30 days, you could incorporate some smaller circles with your big circles. You could do, um, you know, like, uh, you know, a round pin size circle into about a 20 or 30 foot circle from post trot to a sit jog, from a canter to a lope and kind of do that. And then always cool down for at least five or 10 minutes at a walk. You could even walk the barrels with perfect form because the last thing they'll remember is a calm, they get to calm down, walk and walk the pattern perfect and then go get a bath and some cookies or get turned back out, whatever. So it ends on a really good note. And it also starts working on your muscle memory for position and timing. And whenever you walk the barrels, guys, don't be afraid to show a barrel horse a barrel pattern, even if it's just a walk one time coming back in from a trail ride. It's okay. Um, it's not a bad thing because, you know, the thing is, is you're a team and, and do I think you should be running the barrels at home? No. Do I think you should even be loping the barrels much at home? No, but maybe a drill once a week, maybe some dry work, definitely walk or trot the pattern once or twice, because you know what it does is it builds team building. It gets you guys in sync together. And it, all you're doing is saying at the end of a ride, Hey, this is where you're position should be going into the turns. This is the pocket or size I want around the turns. This is how your body should be positioned. Um, you know, and it works on your timing and feel, and it just gets you guys in sync together. And that's the last thing in your subconscious and theirs. And it just really just syncs you guys up better. You know, it's kind of like, it gives you confidence because you're prepared and you trust each other and you know what to expect from one another. So it's just something that it's not going to, hurt you. It's no different than a, an Olympic swimmer or basketball player, or volleyball player or tennis player. They don't play competition every week necessarily, but they certainly every single day do something to either keep themselves in shape or work on their muscle memory. So they might work on parts of their game, maybe, um, you know, shooting the ball or backswing or, you know, anything, but not the entire thing, but parts of it. And that's how you get conditioned to be a top athlete, you know, by muscle memory, by doing that, you know, it's just like, um, if you don't climb stairs and all of a sudden you climb stairs, it's different muscles. So of course you need to lope some big circles with small circles, because when you go around those barrels, you're going to be contracting all those muscles. So those muscles have to be in shape for that. And there's a difference between in shape and racing fit too. And you got to give yourself a few runs to get back to racing fit as well. And again, like I mentioned, I do a minimum 90 days before I was loping barrels or competing. Again, depending on how long they were off, um, it may take longer if they were off longer, if they have any conditions. And again, watch how they're feeling. Make sure their feet are balanced. Chiropractically, they're sound. You may want to have a sports medicine vet check them for soundness before you put them back in competition, whatever. Just be prepared. As we all know, barrel racing horses are high maintenance, so we have to stay on top of that. Um, so to go ahead and talk a little bit about the subject for today and the um, before I uh, close out, the topic for today is going to be how I go ahead and get them patterned and when I start hauling them, what I do for exhibition and stuff. So, you know, I do not show these horses the barrel pattern ever until I have a solid foundation. And I mean, they know how to pick up their leads. They can do transitions. I've got lateral face, vertical face, shoulder control, hip control. I can do rollback side passes. You know, um, 
I've got, again, just a really nice, perfect circles, transitions, just everything's working for me. And I know I've got a solid handle on these horses, a loose rein, whoa, you know, a horse that's calm and relaxed and happy. Um, you know, I want solid foundation before I ever show them the barrels. So the key with TLC's program is the three spots in each turn. And that is what leads to snappy turns, to fluid snappy turns. So every horse is going to have their sweet spots. Um, your little caddy horse might have a smaller one. A big bubba might have a bigger one. So thinking of your arc, which is your approach going to the first barrel. Um, you have to decide if you have a long score, a short score, if you need to go up the middle or go right to your arc. Um, a little caddy horse, five or six foot arc, a big, you know, average size horse, maybe seven to eight foot arc. Then your big bubba might need anything from 10 to 15 foot arc. It just really, truly depends on the size, their style and their stride. You know, if you have a stiff rollback horse, if you have a, you know, 16 hand, 14 hand, is it four wheel drive? Is it front endy? Um, because max, maximum, amount of rate or turn you want is two strides of rate and two strides around each barrel, even though each barrel is completely different, right? First barrel is a three-quarter turn that you come to with generally an easy approach if you set yourself up properly in the alleyway, and but it can also be a high adrenaline barrel. So you definitely want to hit your arc and definitely get in the hole, which is spot one to spot two, spot one being the entrance, spot two being the backside. In the hole happens between there. That's your first stride around the barrel. Little caddy horse, three foot pocket. An average horse, maybe four foot pocket. Big Bubba might need a five foot pocket or even your colt learning so you don't bunch them up or make them uncomfortable. You can give them five feet going in, five feet on the backside, and then exit three feet. So Again, your first stride happens from spot one to spot two. So generally, you're going to give them that nice pocket going in and on the backside. The key is to get where you don't start the turn till your legs at the barrel. Do not let them start the turn when their shoulder gets the barrel. There's very few horses that do well turning the barrel at their shoulder. Um, very, very few. And those are usually those front endy horses that just kind of bend around it. Um, now, majority of horses should not start the turn because you eat up time on the clock. And um, a four-wheel drive horse, rollback horse, you've got to get your leg to the barrel before they start the turn. You've got to get those hind feet to the backside. They've got it. Your feet, horse's feet, have to hit spot one, spot two, and spot three. The difference is each, each one, two, and three, all three barrels in the hole happens between spot one and two. The pivot spot, though, leaving the barrel for your second stride around each barrel happens at a different place on second barrel because it's a full turn. Second barrel is the toughest for most horses because you move over, you change leads, and you have a full turn. Even though you still rate before the barrel one stride and then rate the second stride at the barrel for horses that can handle that. Some free runners or colts may be rating sooner than that. Um, but then your first stride is from spot one to two when you're in the hole. Your second stride, though, has to stay four-wheel drive until the back feet hit spot three, the exit, or you will hit that barrel coming out. And the biggest mistake I see riders do is they look up and pull the horse over the barrel or they um, get up too soon and go back to first instead of go to third. Um, they don't sit through the turn. Um, they don't turn their hips and shoulders. They don't use that inside hip and shoulder, outside leg. There's things like that that happen, just not sitting through the turn or getting ahead of the turn ahead of the horse in the turn. So second barrel can certainly be a challenge, especially if you're on a real stiff rollbacky horse, that certainly can prove to be a challenge. So that's the barrel of all the barrels. You want to really be certain that you're collected in four-wheel drive. 
Um, the next thing is the third barrel. So as I mentioned on pivot spots, first and third, even though third is only a half a turn and not a three quarter turn like first, the pivot spot is still the same. As soon as you clear spot two with their hip and you're starting your second stride around the barrel, they can pivot out between spot two and three. So first and third, pivot out between spot two and three, backside and exit. But second barrel, you can't pivot out until spot um, three, the exit, because of the full turn. So each one, though, still only two strides of great and only two strides around. Now, whether or not you're checking your horse down for rate or your horse is a push style and you sit up and they rate themselves down, that's still, you know, all that stuff is timing and, and technique and position. So um, that's all going to vary a little bit on your timing and your feel. But the, the idea is though, if you, um, if you're spending time with your horse when they're learning, okay, when they're learning the pattern, three to five, three to five days a week, half of your riding can be spent on, um, you know, your foundation, like dry work and drills. And then a few minutes on the pattern, you know, when they're learning, you can do half the session on the, the barrel training. And then of course you always want to have a nice warm up and cool down. Um, so it's just no different than us, you know, when you're trying to get in shape, you're doing stretching and running aerobics, you know, and weightlifting, you're trying to condition everything. And it becomes the same with horses. We want to make sure that we are doing everything from, uh, kind of like yoga and Pilates for them, where they're doing their flexing and bending collection, extension, um, also their endurance, you know, right. And then of course, a lot of the, um, you know, riding them in different ground conditions, whether it be sand or, or grass, that all changes their conditioning as well. So but the program should be simple. And I really think if we're going to be a perfect pattern, which we're striving for excellence out there with speed, and usually, you know, 14 to 17 second patterns, you really don't have a lot of time to think. So I really think it's important in your slow work, that repetition, that consistency, that you get everything solid. In my mind, I only want to have three cues. I want to get up with my body, give my horse a go cue, and then I want to sit for rate, and then I want to just turn my hip and shoulder for turn. And I want to be able to just use mainly eyes and body, shoulder, hip, seats, you know, use my body to turn to go cue, rate cue, and turn my horse and back it up with my hands and my legs and my, my voice if I need to. But ultimately, my goal is to use, you know, majority of my body to communicate with my horse. So with that said, um, that if you do this stuff at a walk, a, a trot, a lope, and, and all of that, it just becomes part of muscle memory for you, like brushing your hair, brushing your teeth. I've talked about this, you know, before, and I think it should be a, a team event, 50-50. You ask them to run, they run. You ask them to rate, they rate. You ask them to turn, they turn. You trust them to do their job. You let them work. In the beginning, I know it certainly is 80-20. You're doing most of the work. But eventually, it becomes 60-40. The horse, you ask them to do something, they start doing it. And then one glorious day in a year or two, it certainly becomes 50-50. And that's why we all love our open horses and we struggle when we get on our colts because we know how much work goes into it. And when it's done perfectly, it's going to look like a well-tuned dance team that's perfectly in sync together. The only difference is you're more like the guy and they're more like the girl because you're leading and they're following. But again, you're not dragging them around the dance floor. So um, slow work is where everything's going to begin. Okay. Remember, rate and transitions are really important. Um, 
most, like I mentioned, where the tracks cross is about where you're going to start your first stride or rate. And again, on a colt, that's going to happen just before that. So you're going to have usually your two strides or eight before the barrel. But your open horses, you might push it up a little further. One rate before the barrel and then the second rate at the barrel. Um, so again, it all rate and turn, though, have to be two different cues. Even if you're on a push horse, they, they understand the difference between rate and turn. You can sit down but still be looking between your horse's ears, having your hips and shoulders square and your hand forward and your leg on, and your horse will still go straight. But if you sit down and you look at the barrel, lift your hand up or drop your hand or anything like that um, and turn to your inside hip and shoulder, that's going to give your horse a turn cue when you gave your rate cue. And that's going to cause you to hit a barrel or lose your spot going into the barrel, which then gives you a bad turn, a bad setup for your next barrel. So you have to keep all that stuff in mind. Um, so again... You know, I think it's really important that you do get super solid, um, knowing where your spots are, knowing how you're going to handle each barrel. Um, I think that's extremely important. Um, you know, if ever there's any issues, slow down, go back to basics. Um, don't add speed until you can do it correctly. Um, and that's the thing. Once I know I've got a horse working really nice, um, that's when I start to add speed. So let's say at home, they're starting to work really great post-trot sit jog. Well, now I want to add my loping. So I'm going to work on um, straight line lead departures from the alleyway or a circle from the alleyway, whichever way works best. But I want the correct lead going to the first barrel. And then I might go ahead and break down to a trot around the barrel or a walk and then lope out on my correct lead and then break to a trot around the barrel and lope out on my correct lead, break down to a trot and just make sure my horse understands rate and correct leads. And then when I do start loping the barrels, as soon as I turn that first barrel, again, I want to be on the correct lead when I start because I don't like to get to the barrel and dump on that front end on a colt. I'd rather they're already a little more balanced and correct before we get there. As soon as I leave that first barrel, I'm going to step in my right stirrup if, if it's a right barrel first. As soon as I leave it, I'm going to step in the right barrel. I'm right stirrup. I'm going to get back to two hands. I'm going to put a little left pinky and left calf on them. And I'm going to ask for that lead change for that first stride out of that turn. And I'm going to hope they change it. Whether they do or not, I'm going to square them up and get to that barrel. If they haven't swapped yet, I might use a little more inside leg as I approach and hope they swap then. But most horses will start to figure out lead change on their own. I do feel like the more sensitive horses or the ones that put a little more effort into it will swap the lead sooner. Oftentimes your lazier horses won't swap till they get there when they're going slow. And then as they start going faster, they'll swap sooner. But um, that's certainly something to consider uh, paying attention to. But again, horses will start learning balance and what's easier. What you don't want to do is let them stall out or crossfire or any of that stuff. So if you're having those kind of problems, I would slow back down and I'd work on the lead departure transitions. You can even go do figure eights with simple transitions and get them a little snappier with their lead changes and their coordination and balance. Um, so again, only adding speed when they're showing confidence. Um, and you know, you want to practice, um, for a while staying at a certain speed until you really see that they're confident. And then when I would start to do is I'd start to let them maybe leave third barrel faster or leave second barrel faster. I kind of do it backwards, leave first barrel faster. The last barrel I'm going to let them go faster to is first barrel. So I always want to start smooth, easy to first, a little bit quicker to second, a little bit quicker to third, a little bit quicker home. 
But again, let them learn how to run home first. Let them learn to run from second to third. You know, from first to second, it's a little bit harder because of the lead change. Um, so again, I, I, that's how I do it. I just try to get them that way. Um, I don't try to pressure them and send them hard from the alleyway to first. I'm really trying to build their confidence because here's the thing, you guys. A horse will start adding speed on their own as they get more confidence. So your goal should be pretty. Your goal should be correct and smooth because with smooth, fast comes. Confidence and speed will come with that. So that's about all I have to say on that for now. Um, when you do start hauling, remember education with time, with speed takes time. So let's say you're doing 100% a high loping at home perfect so you haul them out for an exhibition but now they've got a lot of horses around and sights to see and different smells and noises and all of that they might start making some mistakes so buy maybe four tickets to exhibition or go to a practice night where you can pay five bucks for all the practice you want and um and just do a slow one do a trot walk and then maybe another trot walk then maybe do a slow lope and do and then maybe one more slow lope and then finish off with another trot walk and be done or walk through and be done. Um, but don't, don't overdo it. The first few times out, go slower than you would go at home until they're showing that they're just as confident. If you get there and they're totally out of their mind, um, warm them up a little bit longer and then just walk or trot an exhibition and go home. Let them understand that it's, it's okay. You're going to get used to this. Don't try to go fast on a horse that's not focused. Um, slow things down and just keep hauling until they do settle in. That just tells you that they need more work going places. So once you do start hauling and exhibition or practice nights are going good and now they're high loping a pretty pattern at exhibition or practice just like they do at home, that might be the time to say, okay, I think I'm about two seconds out now. So I think I'll go ahead and put up an entry fee because why bother entering if you're more than two seconds out unless you just have deep pockets and you know can afford to donate or you just want to get your horse a little bit more exposure in that situation where they have fresh ground and they hear those speakers and stuff but again I try not to enter until I feel like my horse has a chance at you know being competitive personally so again I'm trying to build a horse that's going to last a lifetime I'm not trying to make a you know a horse in a year and just send them down the road with holes in their foundation or holes in their pattern so I'm looking at a horse that I want for a lifetime. So I'm trying to do everything correct. Um, so anyhow, that's how I would do it. Um, you know, if you find that you're missing any of your spots in your competition, then work on it in your training. Or like I said, slow things down. Um, things like tipping barrels or coming out wide or losing forward motion. You can usually look at your videos in slow motion and say, okay, I got handsy or I missed my spot. Um, you know, uh, it's just something that, you know, you need to work on. So in order to um, get to the top level, 1D, you know, and clock, you've got to be able to rate at that just before the barrel and at spot one. You've got to be able to get in and out of those strides, uh, those turns and two strides. And, you know, and, and a horse has, has to be a, have a good mind and have a big heart and the athletic ability to do it. And, it doesn't happen overnight, you guys, you know, to make a top horse can take three years, you know, once you, you're looking at getting to the rodeos and super shows and all of that, you know, from the time that you start them under saddle, get them their basics, get them a little bit of hauling and seasoning, start adding speed and confidence, and then start, 
really clock and you know this isn't something that happens overnight so be patient don't give up um that's really important as well so i'm going to go ahead and close now with saying um that uh your only competition should be yourself um being your own personal best is your main focus and you know january's over today is february 1st and you know we all get excited 2022 is going to be a better year than 2021 or 2020 it's got to be you know we've got to have a better year now and then january just sucked for a lot of us you know we had one or two or three or four bad things happen it just did not go well so I did a cowboy church at the clinic on Sunday. It was short. It was sweet because it was freezing. I wanted to keep the thing, everyone moving. But, um, and most of my cowboy churches are, I just try to get to the point on a Sunday clinic. Um, but this one was called the storms of life. And honestly, you can look through the Bible and all over through the Bible tells us eight, these eight things. And I want to leave you with these eight things. Number one, God will carry you through the storms. You can find scripture on it all over the Bible. God will carry you through these storms. Number two, he does hear us and answers our prayers. Number three, we have to trust God with our, all of our heart, all of our heart. Number four, we have to commit all of our goals and dreams to God. Number five, we have to be patient in hard times. Number six, we need to be grateful daily. And number seven, we should be constant in prayer and have peace in God's plan for us. And finally, number eight, you can do anything when God is with you. So I'm going to leave you with that and just tell everybody to have a wonderful week, to always ride with heart, and God bless y'all.